0: Awesome, that was Daniel Teese. Daniel comes here. Daniel's actually sick today with the flu. Uh, and, uh, but ma- over the next couple of weeks, you're gonna see videos like that of some people that just come here and serve faithfully and why serving matters, why things like life group matters. And the reason we're gonna show you a series of videos like that every week is because I want you to know that as great as Sunday morning is, God has more for you than an hour on Sunday. Did you know that? Uh, this is great, but Jesus wants a relationship and you can't have a meaningful, meaningful rather meaningful relationship with anybody if you only see them uh, one hour a week. You can be acquainted with somebody for an hour a week. Jesus wants more. Jesus wants a relationship. You were made for more. And so how can you dive into that relationship? Well, there's a couple of ways, but one quick way that Daniel just talked about is salvation is the beginning. But discipleship, a journey of following Jesus, is what Jesus wants out of our lives. And a way that that can happen for you is to serve. And so if you're here and you don't currently serve anywhere in Summit, just like Dana said to you a minute ago, you can take your connection card and check the back of the, uh, back of the card there. I want to serve. You can stick around today and see how you can be a part of our Easter egg hunt. That Easter egg hunt, uh, we call it extravaganza. It's the biggest event we have outside of church, usually in the community a year. We need, we have over 10,000 eggs and it's a crazy thing as kids, uh, run all over each other to grab those eggs. And we need more eggs. We've got a couple thousand. We need more. And so please, please, please bring all kinds of eggs with you for the next couple of weeks as you come to church. But God's got more for you uh, than this summit. And so uh, that's our prayer. My prayer, our prayer is uh, is that we pray this backstage, that God would take us as a crowd of people and make us a church. Uh, people who love God want to follow Jesus, and so uh, so that's our prayer. And uh, so, if you got a Bible, I want you to go ahead and open it up to Hebrews. All right, go ahead and open it up to the book of Hebrews. Is where we're going to be today. Hebrews is towards the back of your uh, towards the back of the Bible, and uh, almost in the book of uh, almost in the book of Revelation. And so, uh, so, go ahead and turn uh, to the book of Hebrews. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 3 today. And uh, I love Hebrews. Um, my wife, uh, we were talking this morning, and uh, in our building, when you give, you give the impact vision initiative, you're giving to the building and construction of our future building. Uh, a lot of you, maybe you didn't know that we're actually building a building. We are right now. Just uh, It's the former FedEx property over there in Christopher. Our plan is to have a coffee area and a coffee shop area, and we'll call it Hebrews. Did you get it? You get it? Get it? Get bruised, Cop? Never mind. Um, she said that this morning. I said, that's hilarious. I'm using that. It's good. I thought that was good, man. I love that joke. Hebrews. And uh, you think I'm kidding. When you walk in that building first day, there's going to be a sign. Hebrews boom 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 as you drink the coffee you get closer to jesus i love the book of hebrews um and i'm gonna be thinking of coffee now the whole time i'm preaching this sermon uh i love the book of hebrews because the book of hebrews uh i'll just be honest with you just go a little off script here from my sermon uh this morning uh i love the bible you'd expect a preacher to say that right uh, if I had to pick a favorite book in the Bible, my favorite book in the Bible is the book of Hebrews. Uh, and, and the reason for that is because, is, because, um, uh, is because God has consistently used this book in the Bible to help me to not give up in times when I wanted to give up. Um, I know that the Bible is the living and active word of God for a lot of reasons. One of those reasons is the way that God has used this book in my life. Um, and I'll even, and this is totally free. This is not going to be on the screen or anything. I'll even give you a specific verse that God continues to this day to use consistently over and over in my life in times where, I be, where I'm want to, i discouraged and I'm down and I'm just like, Jesus, I just can't do this anymore. I, this is hard or whatever, whatever. Uh, God consistently uses Hebrews 12, 3 in my life. Hebrews is filled with verses like this. Hebrews 12, 3 says, consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not not grow weary and get faint-hearted. Or your Bible might say, consider Jesus and all the suffering that he went through so you don't give up. I love that. God uses that in my life in a lot of ways on a consistent, just over and over and over uh, basis. If you've never read the book of Hebrews, I'm going to be honest with you. It is a really, really, really deep book It goes to a lot of effort to connect the Old Testament to the New Testament. We'll talk about that in a little bit. bit. But if you are, listen, I'm not going to lie to you. The book of Hebrews has a lot of deep things. But here's what I want to say to you, man. It's always worth going deep because at the bottom you find more of Jesus than you find a lot of times at the surface. And so it's worth it. All right. So just to spend a lot of time in the book of Hebrews. Um, How many of you, let me ask you a question, have ever quit anything? Raise your hand. Quit anything at all, anything at all. Uh, a, a team you were on, a habit that you had, you, you, you've just quit something, right? Well, I, everybody in here has, and the reason that I ask that is because in the book of Hebrews, the, the, the book of Hebrews is written to a group of people, and they are on the verge of quitting. They are on the verge of giving up. And, and we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews. Okay, we don't know who wrote uh, the book of Hebrews, and that reminds me something that I want to say to you today. Uh, every time, every week after the sermon, there's a point when I'm driving home and I review the sermon in my head, and I cringe a little because I actually said some things publicly that probably I should never say. And, uh, but last week, I said that Paul wrote the book of Jude that's not right. Uh, Jude wrote the book of Jude. And so sometimes I get real excited and say stuff. And so that's why you should read the Bible on your own, okay? Because I could say crazy stuff. Uh, But we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews. Um, And nobody knows. No biblical scholar knows. Some people say Paul. Some people say Luke. Uh, There's all kinds of different opinions, but here's the deal. Nobody knows who wrote the book of Hebrews, but we do know why it was written. The reason that Hebrews was written, it was written because there were a group of Jewish Christians who were thinking about giving up on Jesus, walking away from him, and going back to their old life in Judaism. Now you hear that and you think, well, why in the world would anybody be tempted to do that? Well, let's think about it for a second. Let's think about it. Here are people that grew up with the Old Testament law. They grew up with the Ten Commandments and the book of Leviticus. Here are people that grew up and what they knew was the sacrificial system, this elaborate system of animal sacrifices that God instituted in the Old Testament so that they could have a, a, an ongoing relationship with him and there could be forgiveness of sins. They were used to priests, priests going into the tabernacle or the temple on their behalf and praying, uh, praying to God on behalf of the people. And then all of a sudden Jesus comes along. And Jesus comes along, and Jesus fulfills all of those things. So now you don't need to do repeated sacrifices. Jesus is the once-for-all sacrifice for our sin. You don't need a priest to go into the tabernacle or the temple for you. Now you can go to God on your own through Jesus. Jesus fulfills all of that. And something inside of them felt like they were betraying everything they had known for generations. What about what my mom taught us? And what about what, what her mom and dad taught her? And what, what, what about what dad said? And so there was this internal struggle with, oh my gosh, this goes against this Christian thing. It goes against everything we've ever known. I think we should go back to Judaism. And not only was there pressure internally, there was pressure, pressure externally. They were being persecuted. And pressure was to walk away from Jesus. And so they are asking this question, hey, is Jesus really worth it? Is Jesus really worth living for and following? And Is Jesus worth being made fun of? Is Jesus worth it? Should we keep going? And if we're honest, every one of us who is in the room, who is a follower of Jesus, has asked that question at some point, right? Every, every single person in here who is a follower of Jesus, at some point, you have asked yourself the question, should I keep going or should I give up? And listen, if you have never asked that question, you're a follower of Jesus, you say, listen, I've never really been tempted that way. Trust me, it's coming. Okay, that's the good news. It's going to happen. Well, you and we have all been tempted at one point or another to walk away. And there's all kinds of different factors and reasons why we're tempted to walk away. I mean, there's all kinds of them. Well, one, one thing that tempts us to walk away is the devil. Listen, the devil wants to destroy your faith. Did you know that? That is all the devil is interested in. The only thing the devil wants to do is to get you to stop following Jesus. So he'll tempt you. He'll lie to you. He'll throw everything he can at you to get you to walk away from God. So one factor that causes a lot of people to walk away is the devil. Another factor that causes people to be tempted to walk away, and we might have a hard time to admit this, but we just got to admit it this morning, is, listen to me, there's a part of us that wants to walk away. The Bible calls it the flesh. See, inside of every follower of Jesus, there's this struggle. There's this battle between the spirit and the flesh. I mean, why is it so hard to follow Jesus? It's because there's a part of you that doesn't want to called the flesh. Why is it so hard to to break patterns that we've had our whole life? It's because your old sinful nature doesn't want to let them go. So the devil tempts us to walk away. We tempt ourselves to walk away. Sometimes our friends and our family want to tempt us to walk away, don't they? There are people in this room right now, and I've talked to some of you. You are in this room this morning. You got saved in this church, went home, and they weren't happy about it. And you have lost relationships because you started a relationship with Jesus. And they are asking you, hey, how much longer are you going to keep doing this? How much longer are you going to keep doing this whole Jesus thing? Listen, if you've done it long enough, let's give it up. And finally, the world will tempt you to walk away from Jesus. The world is going to tell you if it hasn't told you already that what you believe is bigoted, it's judgmental, it's outdated, you're on the wrong side of history. You need to walk away from all of it. And so there's all these things outside and inside that pressure us to want to walk away. But listen to me, God is calling us to keep going. God is calling you and me and the people in the book of Hebrews to persevere. And the way that God does it is God paints this picture in the book of Hebrews to show, and this is really the whole point of the book of Hebrews. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. The whole point of the book of Hebrews is simply this. Jesus is better. Better than what? Summit, Jesus is better than everything. Jesus is better than the law. He's better than the prophets. He's better than everything in the old covenant. He's better than all the money the world could ever give you. He's better than all the popularity you could ever have. He's better than everything that the world could ever give you. Jesus is better. And if you give up on him, you give up on everything. So how can we have a faith that endures? Two ways. Two ways that you and I can have a faith That endures. And the first way is in Hebrews chapter 3. The first way that we can have a faith that endures is to fix our eyes on Jesus. So, what we're gonna do here is I'm gonna read. Uh, All 19 verses in Hebrews chapter 3. Now, if you read Hebrews, honestly, what we're going to do this morning, we could do in any of the 13 chapters. I could have picked any any one of the chapters in this book and do what we're going to do right now. I just picked chapter 3. All right, so here we go. Chapter 3, I'm going to read the whole thing. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest, Of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house if, everybody say if, If indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said they always go astray in their hearts. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God but exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin for we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold fast our original confidence firm to the end as it is said today if you hear his voice do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion for who were those who heard and yet rebelled Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. So the first thing that we need to do if we're going to build a faith that endures, we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. And so what happens in Hebrews chapter 3 in the first five verses is the author of Hebrews tries to paint this picture of how Jesus is better than Moses. Now, if you are a Jew, if you were an Israelite, there is no bigger rock star than Moses, right? Moses is a stud, man. I mean, think of everything Moses did. I mean, Moses leads the people out of Egypt. Moses, Moses gives the people the Ten Commandments. Moses splits the Red Sea. I mean, they probably had posters of Moses on their walls, this guy, this guy was the man. And, but when you compare Moses to Jesus, Jesus is better. See, Moses was the builder, it says, of God's house. God's house there would have been the tabernacle. So every time Israel went anywhere, every time Israel tra- traveled, rather, they right in the middle of their camp was this tent called the tabernacle. And, and the tabernacle symbolized the, the physical presence of God. God would meet with his people right there in the tabernacle. So when they went out somewhere when they left where they were somebody had to tear down and set somebody had to tear down the tabernacle when they went somewhere else they had to set it all up again so shout out to our set up and tear down team because it's been happening all the way since the beginning in the old testament let's give it up for our set up and tear down team all right? Some of you didn't know that people got here really early before you and actually made the coffee and set stuff up. Some of you thought, well, I just thought we prayed and it all happened. Brother, no, it don't. Some of us show up here really, really early to get ready for you. And so, so if, if Moses built the tabernacle, the point is Jesus built Moses. Moses might have built a tent. Jesus built the earth. So Jesus is better than everything that you have ever known. And so in verse 1, he says this, Therefore, holy brothers, look at verse 1, You who share in a heavenly calling, look at these two words, Consider Jesus. Consider Jesus. I love how the message translation of the Bible says it. It says, Give a good, hard look at Jesus. See, when it says, Consider Jesus, it doesn't mean to think about Jesus a couple of times during the day real quick. Hey, consider Jesus. Think about Jesus the same way you think about what you're going to wear in the day or or what you're going to eat for lunch. Think about Jesus a couple of times. That's not what he means. When when he says consider Jesus, he is telling them, he is telling us that, that we need to fan the flame of love and passion for Jesus in our lives so that we won't sin against him, so that we won't walk away from him, but that we would love him more. He says, listen, I know you're thinking about giving up, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to consider Jesus. I want you to look at Jesus. Look at him for all of his power, all of his might, all of his beauty. Look at everything he's done for you. Look at everything he pledges to be for you. And the more you love him, the less you're going to have a desire to walk away from him. So consider Jesus. Hebrews and Summit Church, Pour gas on the flame of your love for Jesus so that you are consumed with that love. That's what he's calling us to do. See, this is so different from the way that most of us, a lot of us, are trying to live the Christian life or how we've been told the Christian life works. See, a lot of us live the Christian life and we've been told that what it means to be a Christian is you just say no to a lot of stuff. You know what I mean? Hey, to be a Christian means I just say no. I, I, I don't listen to a certain kind of music. I don't watch certain movies. I don't go to certain places. I just say no to everything. We just say no to a lot of stuff. Or or if you can't relate to that, how many of you have ever tried to break a habit, get some sin out of your life, bring some real change in your life, and for some reason or another you have tried to stop it, but you can't? That ever happened to anybody? That's me, man. That's the story of my life a lot of times, Right? Why can't I stop doing what I do? Why can't I change the way that we think? And, and, wh- and what we do here is we focus. Listen to me, listen to me. This is massive. This could change the way that you live your life as a follower of Jesus. What happens, and our problem a lot of times, is we focus on our behavior. But I want you to know today, the problem is not in my hands. The problem is not in my eyes. The problem is not in my feet and where they take me. The problem is my heart. The problem is my heart. See, a lot of us, we're spending all of our time saying no and we're trying to stop doing all of these things. The Bible flips it. And what the Bible says is pour gasoline on the fuel, on the flame rather, of your love for Jesus. And the more you love Jesus, the less you'll love sin. Does that make sense? Are you tracking with this? Listen, man, you are not gonna follow Jesus without what I'm throwing at you today, right? The, more, the closer you get to Jesus, the further you'll get from sin. You want to kill that desire to walk away from Jesus? Then love him so much. Have such a passion for him. Do whatever it takes to be consumed with love for him so that that love grows so that you wouldn't even dare to walk away from the one who died for you. Do you see what we're doing here? Right? So what are you doing? What are you doing to fuel the flame of love for Jesus in your life. What are you doing to pour gas on your love for Jesus so that it becomes this all consuming fire inside of you? Here's the answer for too many people nothing. Too many people aren't doing nothing, right? And, and, and we, we come to church, we come to church late, we roll in, we barely sing, we sure don't give. And we don't serve, and we don't join a group, and, and, and we never read our Bibles. And then we wonder why God seems so boring to us. Listen, it makes total sense why God's boring to you. But then we wonder why God is so weak in our lives. It's because we're not fanning the flame of love for God in our lives. And we're fanning the flame of love for God for, so, we're, well, let me say it a different way. We're fanning the flame of love for sports, and we're fanning the flame of love for vacation, and we're fanning the, the flame and the passion we have for our hobbies, and there's nothing wrong with sports and vacation and hobbies. But what are we doing, what are you doing to fan the flame of love for Jesus in your life? What makes you passionate about Jesus? Do you know the answer? Man, you need to know the answer. Some of you think this is weird. I think it's weird that you don't know the answer. I think it's real weird. Right? Right? I see it. Listen, there is nothing wrong with UK basketball when I know there is barely 200 days till Star Wars The Last Jedi drops and it changes our lives. So I'm not knocking it. But I see passion for UK right now, man. And we're fanning the flame for it. Listen, I'm going to watch that game today watch that or or we're fanning the flame for 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 where we're going to be in 20 years we're fanning the flame for all kinds of other things what fans the flame of love for jesus in your life do you know listen that's why we do everything we do as a church that's why we're doing the multiply challenge and reading the new testament that's why i think you ought to give That's why I think you ought to serve being a life group if you can. That's why I think think every student in the room right now should be at student ministries tonight because if you are not passionately in love with Jesus, you will waste your life by being passionate about things that won't matter 100 years from now. Man, when I think about what fuels my passion for Jesus, I think of three things. This is just me. This is just the way that God wired me. So one thing, and I, I I know I'm a preacher, but I love the Bible. I do. I do. I love the Bible. Now, I'll be honest with you. You can't have a passion for God unless you're intimate with the book that God wrote, like like knowing it, reading it. But man, I just love to read the Bible, and to to study the Bible, and to to dig into the Bible. So one is the Bible. Another thing that God uses to fan the flame of love for Jesus in my life are, are books, Christian books. And I'll be really honest with you, most of the books that I read are by people who have been dead for hundreds of years. I like good books by dead guys. It's what I love. I do. I I read a lot of Puritans, and, and I know that just gets you so excited when we talk about things like this, but God just uses books like that when just people that knew God and walked with God in a really strong way, God uses that in my life. I'll tell you another thing. You'll think this is real weird. Something that God uses in my life to fan the flame of love for him, I promise this is true, is Running. Is running. You know, Jesus, I mean, God, uh, you know, the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. You can run for the, listen, and, and I know that you might think this is weird, but when I run, God speaks to me, right? I, when I run, God, when I'm out there by myself or I'm on a treadmill, you know, and I'm just pushing myself and, and I'm crying, Jesus, um, you know, and I'm on the brink of vomiting, uh, man, the Holy Spirit speaks to me, in those moments, and says, you're not gonna die. Um, But no kidding, I mean, God speaking, man, God just, a lot of times when I'm out there doing that kind of thing, God reminds me of how he answered prayers that I prayed, of how he provided for our family, of things that he's done in my life. God, God speaks to me. Where does God speak to you? You need to know the answer to that question, church. I pray to God you know the answer to that question. I pray to God you would find it. But if you want to build a faith that endures, Now you need to fan the flame of love for Jesus so that you love him over all things. So when I want to fix my eyes on Jesus, and here's number two, number two, last one this morning, last one, last one. Don't harden your heart. So if the first one was positive, this one's negative. Okay? I want to build a faith that endures. I'm going to love Jesus. I'm going to pour gas on the fire of passion for Jesus Christ in my life. Number two, I'm not going to harden my heart. Hey, when you think about somebody that's hard-hearted, what do you think? When you think about somebody that's hard-hearted, don't we think about people that are mean? Don't we? You know, people that are mean, they're always angry, they've got no compassion. Did you know, though, that if you look up the the phrase hard-hearted, did you know what you'll find? You know what it really means to be hard-hearted? Here's what it means. It means to be numb. You're not angry. You're not ticked off. You're not anything. You're numb. There is nothing going on in here. Verse 6, verse 6. I'm going to do something right now intentionally to bother you. Okay? Verse 6. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope. We are God's house. We are a part of the people of God. We are saved and we are his children. If, if we hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope, look at me. You cannot lose your salvation. But verse 6 sure sounds like you can. We're a part of God's people if you hold on to him. And if you let him go, does that mean I'm not a part of God's people? Possibly. Maybe. Yes. See, the book of Hebrews, uh, there, 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 there's these things all over the book of Hebrews that's bo- bothered Bible scholars and theologians. They're called warning passages. Warning passages. Listen, God loves us enough to give us warnings. Every time, every time I warn my kids, it's not because I'm angry. My little daughter, Chloe, she's, she's our youngest daughter. She's five years old. And everything we say to her, like, when, if, if it's a warning, she says, don't yell at me. Don't yell. Stop yelling at me. So, Chloe, don't play in traffic. Stop yelling at me. Don't touch the stove. It's, it's, it's real hot. Stop yelling at me. You're not my boss. She says that. She says that. And I'm in counseling for it. right? Everything that, listen, when God gives us a warning, it's not because he's angry, it's because he's a loving father. God says, don't do this. I'm going to talk about something. Don't do what I'm going to talk about. That's what God says. I'm your dad, and I love you. Don't do this. Don't go there. There are these warning passages in the book of Hebrews that, that seem to indicate, and this if you talk to anybody that believes you can lose your salvation, inevitably, they are going to point to these verses in the book of Hebrews. Let me, let me show you one. Just uh, turn back one page to chapter 2. After chapter 1 compares Jesus to angels, says Jesus is greater than all angels. Therefore, chapter 2, verse 1, Therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we've heard. Watch, watch, watch. Lest we drift away Do not drift away. It is possible, it is so possible to drift away from God. Totally don't do it. I'll give you you one more. I could do this all day long. They're they're all over this book. I'll do one more. There's one more I wanted to show you. Where is it? Let's see. Verse 14, chapter 3. For we have come to share in Christ if, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. What happens if I don't hold my original confidence firm to the end? What happens if I totally walk away from God? What happens if I completely abandon him and never come back? Does that mean that I lose my salvation? No, but it means that you probably never had it. You cannot lose your salvation. You can't. And the reason I know you can't lose your salvation is because it is absolutely clear in the word of God. Romans chapter 8 says that everyone that God justifies, he glorifies. Justification happens when you give your life to Jesus. In that moment, God looks at you and says, not guilty. So everyone God justifies, declares not guilty because of the finished work of Jesus in their place, God also glorifies. Now, when does glorification happen? Glorification happens the moment we see Jesus in heaven. So what God starts, Philippians 1, 6, God finishes. That's good news, right? John 10, John 10, Jesus does not lose one of his sheep. Ephesians chapter 1, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit, and you cannot lose the Holy Spirit of God. But if you lose your original confidence... If indeed we hold fast, if we lose that confidence, then what? What's that mean? Does that mean that I've lost my salvation? No, but it does mean that maybe you never had it at all. Write this down and never forget it. True faith endures. True, real saving faith perseveres to the end. Real saving faith endures, perseveres to the end of your life. And it's going to be a bumpy road, isn't it? It's not perfect, right? It's going to be a bumpy road. You can even, listen, listen. A true believer, follower of Jesus could could seemingly walk away from God totally. Quit church, quit the whole thing. And they run out and they, they do all kinds of sinful things. But listen to me. If they are truly saved, they will come back. The Holy Spirit of God is not going to let any of His children become ultimately comfortable with sin. So He will bring them back. Man, over six years in this church, we have seen people get so fired up for Jesus, and we have seen a lot of people start out so strong. And they went so hard for God for weeks, for months, and years. And I have a lot of conversations like this, and people say, what about so-and-so? They don't come anymore. Man, what about so-and-so? It's like it never happened. Mark, are they saved? And here's what I say. I don't know. And I don't know because I'm not the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? Tracking with me? I don't know. What I do know is that if they really are, ultimately they'll come back. This is so different from cheap grace that says you can give your life to Jesus, and then no matter what, you're going to go to heaven. You can get passionate and fired up and follow Jesus if you want, but then if you don't want to do that, just pray the prayer, and then boom, you can go to heaven. And you can get excited about Jesus, but you don't have to. You can get excited about money, job, all kinds of other things, because at the end, if you made this decision, no matter what, love for Jesus is optional, passion for Jesus, optional. No matter what, no sweat, you're going to heaven. Wrong. Grace sanctifies. Grace changes you, man. Doesn't mean you're perfect. Doesn't mean you got it all together. But nobody meets Jesus and truly stays the same. This is such a big deal. So he quotes Psalm 95. It's starting in verse 7. He says, listen, today if you hear God's voice, summit. Do you hear the voice of God today? Do you hear the voice of God? If so, verse 8, do not harden your heart. Don't harden your heart. Psalm 95 is about the generation of the Israelites that Moses led out of Egypt, part of the Red Sea, and then ultimately all died in the wilderness. Why? They didn't believe God. They became hard-hearted. You know what it meant? They just became numb to God. They didn't stop believing in God. They didn't hate God. They just became blah to God. No big deal. There came a point when they started to say, Well, you know what? I don't think God's going to get us out of this mess. I don't think God's going to provide for us. I, don't, I just don't think that God's going to care for us. I don't think that we should listen to this Moses guy. Man, remember how good it was back in Egypt? It was like Golden Corral. We had so much food. Now our food falls from the sky. I hate that our food falls from the sky. And then what happened over time is they just became numb towards God, and they were still you know, going to the temple, and they were still offering sacrifices, and they were still doing the stuff, but they just didn't care about God anymore. And because God sees their heart, God saw their heart, God says, listen, you're not getting in the promised land. (laughs) Do not harden your heart. Listen, your heart doesn't get hard overnight. It's slow and subtle. Well, your heart gets hard is you look at your life, and you say, you know what, I don't think God's going to take care of us. Or maybe you and your family go through something and inside, you're saying this, this is not fair. This is not right. This is not right that we go through this. This is not right that this is happening to my family. And you say that over and over and over inside until eventually your heart's just numb to God. Or here's a way that your heart gets, can, can become numb to God. Just don't do anything. Just don't do anything. Just, just. Casually come into church and then leave and never read the Bible, never really get active in church, never really pursue Jesus, just don't do anything. Listen to me, our hearts don't accidentally become passionate about Jesus. They don't. Our hearts go in two directions to Jesus or away from Him. And I see so many people, I, I, this happens all the time here in this church. People walk up to me and they say, Mark, Mark, every time I come, I cry. And I cry every time I come because I know that God wants me to do something and I say, "Well, you better do it." You better do it. And then they don't do it. They come back next week. Mark I cried today. Oh, it's like you're re- it's like you're following me. It's like you're reading my mail. We say stuff like this. You stepped all over my toes today. And and I know God wants me to do something. Well, you better do it. And then they come the next week and they don't cry and then they come the next week, and they don't feel anything, and then they don't come the next week, and they don't come the week after that, and it's not because anything that we did wrong, it's because their heart got hard. See, said, I don't need that stuff. Are you telling God no right now? Are you hearing the voice of God, and maybe somebody in the room, you're saying this, not right now, it's not a good time. I'll, 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 I'll do that sometime. I, 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 people say this to me all the time. Mark, I know there's a sin in my life that God wants me to get rid of, and one day I'm going to do it. And I tell people this, and I want to tell you this this morning, if God's God's doing this in your life. I say this, listen, while you're feeling conviction right now, man, do something about it. Man, you better do something about it while you are hearing the voice of God. Why? Because if you harden your heart, God just says, whatever. If you don't want me, if you just want money, you can have money. If you don't want me and you want to climb the corporate ladder, bro, you can have it. It's fine. Are you telling God, no, not right now, maybe later? Are you hardening your heart? Is your heart hard? Or maybe you're sitting there and you're saying, Man, my passion for God, listen, I don't feel like that. I don't feel like there's a flame of love for God at all in my life. Listen, you know what? A flame starts with a spark. Amen. Amen. A flame starts with a spark, man. And so I love what he says here. I love what he says in verse 13. As long as it's called today, do not be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Today, if you hear his voice. Do you know what this is right now? It's today. Today is today. Look at somebody say, it's today. It's today. Today, right now, you can cry out to God and ask God to wake you up. You can cry out to God and ask God to set your heart on fire for him. Again, you can ask God to forgive you for your sin. You can take that step that God is calling you to take. Listen, you don't have to let your heart get hard. You can pour gas on the flame of love for Jesus right now and build a faith that endures right now. And the way that you do that is you fix your eyes on Jesus so that more and more he is better than all that the world would give you. And as you are doing that, your heart's not getting hard. Your heart is saying yes to God. And it is becoming fertile soil for the Spirit of God to move in deep and wild and radical ways in your life. You can build that today. Do not harden your hearts to God today. So today, here's our challenge and we're done. Our band's gonna come up and we're gonna lead and I'm gonna open this altar up and I would love to pray with whoever needs prayer today as we're seriously thinking this over, as we're seriously thinking about, God, I don't want my heart to be hardened. I want a passion for you and a love for you. The challenge today is simply this. I am challenging our church to pursue Jesus Christ. Amen? I'm challenging you to pursue him, to know him, to love him, to go hard after him to not be satisfied with church as usual, but to seek him, because he is worth it. Let's all stand. Let's all stand for prayer. Let's all stand. Jesus, we just thank you so much that you pursued us and that we want to pursue you, God. I thank you that today is today. Today is the day we can hear your voice and we don't have to let our hearts get hard. Jesus, we want to fix our eyes on you. So right now in this moment, as we open up this altar, as we open up the front today, I pray, God, for anybody in here that their heart might be hard or they feel their passion for you fading. As we sing that song, part of that song again, what a beautiful name. Jesus, we want our hearts to sing that song. We want our hearts to to sing and declare, Jesus, your name is beautiful and your name is worthy. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Right now, I'm going to open up this altar here, and I would love for you to come up front and to pray. And I would love to pray with anybody here in our church that just says, man, I just felt. I just heard the voice of God today. I just feel like my heart is hard. I feel like my passion for God is gone. So as we are singing this song, as they're singing part of this song. I want to ask you to not think about what your neighbor is doing and not care about what you look like, because that's always going to get in the way. And just let the cry of your heart this morning say, be Jesus, I need you. And Jesus, I want you. That's all I want, man. That's all I want. It's more of you. So if that's your heart, you come up front right now. I want to pray with you. Or you just come and get on your knees like people are already doing. I love that it's happening during the sermon. So you come right now while we sing. in the spirit of prayer here for just a moment. Would you just bow your heads and pray with me for a minute? Jesus, I thank you for everybody that's come up front here today. Thank you for every single person that's in this room. And God, I pray that what we've talked about today, it would not leave when we leave this place. It would would stay with us. But Jesus, we were made for more, and we dare not walk away from you. We dare not walk away from you. True faith endures. So God, for the people who are here personally, I'd be on the brink of giving up, God, they wouldn't do it, that they wouldn't walk away, that you'd show them that you are worth it. In fact, right now, just as we're praying, if you're here today and you're saying, Mark, I'm right there, I'm on the brink of that, would you pray that I would not give up and walk away? Just raise your hand right now so I can pray for you. There's a hand right there. God bless you. Anybody else? There's another one right there. God bless you. Another one right there. Anyone else? Say, Mark, pray for me. That's me today. What you're talking about is me. There's a hand right there in the back, right there. God bless you. Anybody else? God, just move in these people's lives. Father, there might be people here today who need Christ for the very first time, need Jesus for salvation. And Father, I pray for anybody here today that needs to be saved, that right now they would cry out to you, that they would ask you to save them. And if you are here today and you need Jesus in your life, I'm going to pray a prayer. You just pray this prayer with me right there where we're standing. Say, dear Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Save me today. Save me today, right now. I want you to be my Lord right now. I'm going to give you my life right now. I want to live for you from this moment forward. Thank you for your love and for your death and your resurrection for me. It's in your name I pray. With every head bowed, with every eye closed. Listen, if you just prayed that prayer, I would love to celebrate and pray with you. If you just prayed to give your life to Jesus Christ, would you raise your hand right now so I can see it to celebrate with you? Raise your hand right now. Say, today I gave my life to Christ for the very first time. There's a hand in the back. God bless you. Anybody else who say, today, I, today I'm making that decision, man. I'm crossing the line. I'm giving my life to Jesus today. God bless you, Father. I thank you for every single person here. I think that we have met with you today. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's give God praise today. I want to do, do one more thing before I let you go. One more thing before I let you go. Uh Somebody asked us this week. John Hicks asked us, "Hey Ricky, do we know her name?" John Hicks' mom. Can't, I can't. Uh, John sent us some information. His mom is extremely ill, and he asked our church to pray for her, uh, for healing over her life, and uh, sent that info to Ricky. And I said, and we said, we'd love to pray for your mom today. Uh, but not only that. Um, Man, is there anybody here today? I just want to ask. Is there anybody here say, Mark, I've got something going on. I would love for you to pray that way for me as well, that God would heal me, bring healing into my life. Raise your hand right now. Nothing. God bless you. Anybody else? God bless you right there. Say, pray that. God, we believe. Amen. There's a prayer. We believe that God is a healer. Amen. That God's a great physician. And so, several hands. So, before I let you go, I just want to keep our word and pray for John's mom. Pray for everybody that just raised their hand. God bless you guys. Let's pray again. God I thank you that you are the great physician. You are a healer. And we ask that you would stretch out your healing hand on every person here today that raised their hand with, with a condition that you know about. Maybe people that didn't even raise their hand, didn't want to, or maybe didn't hear that call or whatever. But, God, I pray for anybody that needs that healing in their life, that, God, you would bring that healing. You are greater than all disease. You are greater than all physical conditions and ailments. And, God, you can bring a cure. You can heal. And so, Father, I pray that for all people here today that need that touch in their life. And, God, I pray for John Hicks's mom, God, that you would heal her. And, Father, that you would reach down into her life. Jesus, thank you that Hebrews tells us that you are our great high priest and we can approach the throne of grace with confidence. And we do that right now. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, God bless you guys. If you want to stick around for about two or three minutes for a quick meeting with Dana about the Easter egg hunt, man, you can stick around right here. Otherwise, you are dismissed. God bless you guys. Thank you all so much.